Okay, guys, I messed up. I'm embarrassed. So um, allow me to come clean. Give me another chance, please. Pretty please. Pretty, I know you want to, right? Please? Okay, awesome. Thanks. And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is The Drop Set. With your host, Darren Starr. Thanks for tuning in. I oh, am yeah. Darren Starr, and I'm a full-time online so prep coach and have been since 2012. You can check me out back. at 5 so, and read about my I'm coaching programs. Check out workout up. programs that I have available. I read articles, and back, most and importantly, you can click on the um, podcast so, button yeah, I, at the I top or go straight to thedropset.com to vote on the most recent poll question posted at the top of the page. It is really kind of hard to believe that I've been doing this since December of 2016. But here we are. We're over 200 episodes in, and we're still kicking if you're listening to it's crazy this, stuff you have not now this show thrives on and exists only because YouTube, of they are no you. more um, the listener. So I thank you for being here and also encourage you to contribute your questions and discussion topics. You can email me at uh, Darren at five star fitness.com or more easily click like on this, contact from five star physique.com and submit your question in the form. You can also find me on social media at Darren underscore star on Instagram is probably the best way to go there. Please also give a rating, like, thumbs up, review, or whatever is appropriate for whatever platform you're listening to this on. And please share the episodes you like and tag up, me in your post. How are you doing? Thanks for I joining me here episode tremendously and it helps us here reach to a all those bigger audience podcast land. which makes it Hello more likely that I can nab higher profile guests for future interviews. So, uh, so you can always find that being said, either way, let's get either on way. with it. So um, I have one topic that I want to discuss today and I am going to give myself a little permission here to keep these episodes a little bit more brief perhaps um, not to the point where, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, you're not going to get a five minute episode. It's like, no, it's not that it's long form. I don't edit these things down. I'm these podcasts are made for people that have attention spans longer than that of a gnat. So uh, it's something that you put on. Uh, it's in the background. You listen to it. I get that. I don't expect anybody to like sit through and watch this. There's nothing terribly interesting visually happening here, but uh, nonetheless, it just seems like it makes more sense than doing a, uh, an audio only YouTube video it kind of defeats the purpose, right? If that's the point, just, you know, go listen to it. So, um, anyway, how we doing? How we doing? I did get, uh, uh, one call. So we're going to listen to that here again, not getting a lot of traction on that. I really, I really want that to take off. So I need y'all to hit me up. And every now and then I get a client who will say like, I'm going to call, I'm going to call. Like, I just hate calling. And I'm like, I get it, but man, please do it. Please just do it. I'm not going to answer. I'm gonna, you're not going to have to talk to me. You're not. I promise. I promise. 865-518-6569. Um, let me just make sure I'm saying the right number. Maybe people are calling and they're leaving a, a voicemail on some other number. Let me just make sure I'm getting that right here. Hold on. Hold on. 865-518-6569. Maybe I should flash that up on the screen and just leave it there. 865-518-6569. Call in and uh, let's see. I, I did figure out how this worked last time. So it does not, uh, um, it does not 
the audio does not play through automatically um, in the previous video and in the uh, previous audio podcast. I did have to drop the audio in in post-production after the fact, but it works fine. I can do that. I'm going to play it here and I'm going to listen to this. I do not have any idea what this message is, but we are going to uh, give it a shot and see what we see. So here's hoping it's something good. I'm guessing I probably have a wrong number. I am trying to reach Nancy Peters. Uh, this is the phone number I have. If you could just return the call, let me know Fuck if I life. got the wrong number. Again, I'm trying to reach someone, Nancy Peters. Again, if you could return my call, let me know if I have a wrong number. Thank you. Have a good day. Yeah, guess what? You have a wrong number. Jesus Christ. Like, how do you listen to the message? And still, you have the wrong number, okay? Jesus. And I know how that conversation is going to go. It's going to be like, well, I called 865-518-8656. like, yeah, that's me. And, well, why aren't you Nancy? I'm like, because Nancy gave you the wrong fucking number. She doesn't want to talk to you. That's why. Jesus Christ. All right. There you go. So, fuck that shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, we're going to have something to talk about. I've got a topic that I want to cover myself. This would be good. So, okay, well, whoever that was, I'm going to call you Myrtle. That was absolutely no help to me at all. Thanks for nothing, Myrtle. Um, all right, so let's talk about what I wanted to talk about then. Um, first of all, is Taz down here? No, Taz is not down here. We've got Derby down here, but she's off camera over here. You can't quite see her. Taz, um, he got his cone off yesterday, so he is missing his left eye. He does not have a cool eye patch. He just has his eye sewn shut. And it's kind of, you know, it looks kind of a little iffy. It's like sunken in a little bit as it, it should be, I guess, because there's no eye in there to give his socket shape. Like it looks kind of creepy a little bit. Like, you know, it, it it's very much like a two-face situation, like the Batman villain where from one side he's Harvey Dent and then from the other side, not so much. So like I'll be looking at him in profile and I'll see his right side. I'm like, oh, there's my sweet boy. And then he turns and looks at me and be like, oh, God, what is that? You know, there's still a lot of that startle um, happening, but uh, he's, he is feeling very good. Um, he, is, he is a happy dude and uh, everything is good with the, with the Tasman. So um, I got a lot of messages from people. So thank you for that. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about natural bodybuilding, as you could tell from either the thumbnail or the episode title. So um, I had a couple um, questions come up here um, from different people. Um, so this comes from uh, Grace, who is the long running uh, drop set MVP. Thank you, Grace. Um, and then also uh, Nikki from Australia, who had uh, they, they both kind of touched on the same subject here. So um, uh, Nikki said specifically, have I done a podcast on natural? She uses the word in quotes, bodybuilding generally and the question of integrity in the testing of natural competitors. If not, love to hear your perspectives. And then um, Grace asked along the same vein, um, natural bodybuilding, what is my hot take on it? Do I think natural competitors are corrupt in the sense that athletes aren't actually natty? What do I consider to be natural? Is there a gray area or is it pretty black and white? Um, is it just not an option for some people? Um, and what are the roles specific hormones play in bodybuilding, et cetera? So, yeah. So, I mean, this could end up being a, a bit of a, uh, a pretty involved, um, conversation, but, um, 
both Nikki and Grace touched on the the same subject, which is um, the integrity of of natural bodybuilding. And do I think that's a big issue? And honestly, this is going to be a fairly unpopular opinion. I really don't. Um, I don't think it is. Now, does that mean it's not a problem at all? No, it doesn't. I just don't think it's a big problem because, um, and I, I alluded to this briefly in the last episode um, where you know I, I did have somebody who asked me to coach them into a natural show when they weren't a natural athlete. So clearly, like I know it happens because if he didn't, you know, if he's not working with me, he's probably working with somebody or he's going to coach himself into that show probably. But um, you know, you do what you can to kind of prevent that. Like I talked about last week. So it does happen. Uh, but the thing is like, just because somebody is an enhanced athlete doesn't mean they're winning that show. Let's be very clear. <laughs> Like that doesn't mean they're the hardest worker up there. And usually hard work is going to win out. So, um, and there's, there's something to it. Like if you go in as an enhanced athlete and you don't win that show, like that's going to be a little bit of an ego hit. If you get beaten by a natty and you're not yourself, Ooh, like that's going to sting. And so I think that there's probably a little bit of mental calculus that plays into that as well. That kind of discourages people because there's a lot of good natural athletes up there. And the other thing is like, there are exceptions, but somebody with a trained eye, you're going to be like that, that guy's not natty or that girl isn't natural. No. And there, there are exceptions to that. Like some, some people can surprise you like, yeah, I mean, some people are just genetic freaks and they can put on muscle. They can get really lean. Sometimes they can do both. Usually it's, they're going to struggle in one of those capacities. So um, there, there are certainly some um, where you look at them and you're like, no, no. Like I, I realize that they have won shows with this organization, which implies that they have passed a drug test. Um, But also like, some of the testing, like they they do urinalysis and they do um, they do polygraph testing. Both of those are very flawed and very beatable. So urinalysis, like you know, it, you could take PEDs for years and be clean for you know uh, anywhere from a couple of weeks to a few months, depending on what it is, and pass a urinalysis test just fine. So that's hardly foolproof. It means that you weren't taking a whole bunch of long acting stuff for the duration of your prep hardly means that you're a natty. Um, And I mean, as far as a polygraph is concerned, people lie to themselves all the time. And if they're convinced they're natty, like, Oh, I'm only taking 400 milligrams of test a week. Like that's pretty low dose. I'm basically natty. And I mean, they can convince themselves of that. So, and anyway, a polygraph is hardly, you know, foolproof anyway. Um, It's, it's certainly not a, uh, what I would consider to be what the most reliable science in the world. So that's certainly beatable. Um, But uh, do I think it's a big problem? No, because I think if by and large, if you look at the contest galleries from any natural organization, um, most people who win and do well, they do not look like people look at NPC shows or in IFBB shows. So um, that alone right there is kind of the proof. Like, you know, it doesn't mean that they're not on something, but it means they probably aren't on much, if anything. And they might be pushing the boundaries of what's okay. Like, oh, I'm going to take injectable L-carnitine. Well, I mean, that's not a banned substance. Some people might say, oh, well, if you're injecting something, that's clearly, you know, uh, that's clearly a banned substance. Well, no, no, it's not. Um, and so I think the people that do really well and who, who are legitimate natural athletes, um, they do that because they've got, they've really got their act together. 
right? Like they're hitting all the marks. And um, in a way that, you know, uh, I would say <laughs> the majority of people who, who do bodybuilding shows, whether tested or not, don't hit their marks. Like you'll, you know, how many competitors in an average show don't, uh, don't handle their recovery very well? 40%, 50% more probably. Uh, you know, the amount of overtrained people um, that go into a show is, I would say, probably the majority of it. And so you have a, a, a natural athlete or an enhanced athlete, it doesn't matter. But I mean, somebody who really manages their recovery really well, they're going to look like they manage their recovery really well when they get on, on stage. They're going to look sharp. They're going to have no problem getting full. They're going to be hard and lean on stage. Um, so it's just about having your ducks in a row more than anything else. So what you will notice is that generally speaking, um, everybody in a natural show is going to be undersized compared to anybody in a comparable NPC or IFBB show. And they're also probably not going to be quite as lean. Now you can, you'll still find some people who are really peeled. Like, you know, you, we've all seen those genetic freaks where, you know, it's like, they don't even know what they're doing. You know, they work out like jackasses. They don't take anything because they don't know what to take. They're just, they're just naturally like lean shredded freaks. There are people like that and you'll find some people like that who who go to compete and you know even if they don't really know what they're doing they still do they you know they might not have the greatest physique but god they'll get peeled you know it can happen um so i don't think it's a huge huge deal um uh, corruption that is um to be clear like yeah it happens but it, it's not uh, it's not super prevalent, I don't think. Um, based on my experience, and most of the show galleries that I look at are for, you know, whenever I have a client who competes in a natural show, I'm always looking at the gallery for the whole show, or at least their category, and see like what who else did well, and you know how many times have I seen somebody that really made me raise an eyebrow and it's like, wow, really? They're natural. They're doing a natural show, really. I has that happened not in the last couple of years it hasn't um not nothing that jumps out at me so i'm sure i'm sure it has but um not recently not recently it's, it's pretty rare where i see somebody in browsing those galleries that really makes me sit up and be like whoa huh that's uh i don't know about that <laughs> that, that looks fishy it's just yeah it's not not a widespread phenomenon at all so um my hot take on it um to get to to grace's question here what's my hot take on it you know and the thing is it's uh um god what is my hot take on it i didn't really think this through so you're going to get the unvarnished truth here this is not a prepared statement that i'm reading off of a script or anything like that um i mean the shows are smaller they're typically less organized um they're usually in venues that are maybe a little bit more suspect um there's less presentation um, and production values involved in a natural show because there aren't as many competitors. So there's not as much money involved, right? The budgets are smaller. So, um, you know, I mean, I've, I've worked with, um, worked with clients who <clears throat> have done natural shows where there were less than 30 people in the entire show. Run the math on that. 30, I and mean, that doesn't even really pay for the awards that they have to make for the show much less like you've got to pay people that, that are helping out. You have to rent the venue on top of that. It's like, you know, um, you, you can't, you know, that show is not going to be around next year. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of shows like that. They're just too small to sustain themselves. So, um, the problem is, you know, bodybuilding tends to attract the extreme personalities, the people who want extreme results. And of that subset of people, 
So you've got all, let's just keep this conversation in the United States for right now, right? So let's say, um, hold on, there we go. Um, I'm going to go to Google here. We're going to do a little thought experiment here. Current population of the U.S. It's like 330 million, 331.9 million. Okay, so 331.900000. Okay, so let's say... How many people in the United States would consider themselves to be bodybuilders? 1%, half a percent, something like that. I don't know. Let's be generous and say 1% times 0.01. So you're looking now at 3 million people in change who would consider themselves bodybuilders. So I don't know, one out of a hundred people goes to the gym hardcore and considers themselves a bodybuilder. Maybe. Yeah what subset of people in that population are going to compete? Like I think of, you know, how many people do I see in the gym who are just there? And then how many people are, would I consider to be like hardcore? So that that's the 3 million and change that we have, like the hardcore gym people. And now among those, how many are competitors? I mean, it's single digits. It's probably less than five that I know of. So now uh, among that subset, I mean, you're looking at probably 25% or so. I'm, I'm really just spitballing, just ballparking bullshit right now, right? So, um, so let's say, you know, 0.25. So now we're at like 800,000 people who would consider themselves competitive bodybuilders. That's way too many. There, there aren't that many. <laughs> So clearly my math is way off here. Um, how many competitive bodybuilders are there in the United States? I don't know. Amongst all ages? God, I don't know. 15,000 maybe? I mean, I'm totally guessing. It's not many. It's not many. So the problem now is you've got that small number, 15, 20. Let's just go, go ham and say it's 50,000 people right? It's 50,000 people. And so 50,000 divided by 331,900,000. So, I mean, it's... <laughs> the calculator spits out the answer to me in scientific notation. It's a tiny percentage. It's a tiny percentage of the population which would consider themselves competitive bodybuilders, right? So, um, will not consider themselves, but who actually are competitive bodybuilders. People, and I'd say like, you know, within the, within the past, you know, two years, because you can take a year off. Okay, sure. Or, you know, take three years off, whatever. So, in that kind of a range, 50,000 is probably generous. All right. So, now... How many of those people, like the hardcore, the competitive bodybuilders, how many of them don't touch PEDs? I mean, I think you're looking at a minority of, of that small fraction. And then divide that amongst all 50 states, right? This is just an, an experiment in the United States. So um, you're, you're looking at a pretty small pool of people to, to draw from. And then you've got people like me who... I live in, in Knoxville, Tennessee, right? And if I was going to look for a drug-tested show to do... Well, if I was going to look for any show to do, let's just be, be real about it here. If I was going to look for any show to do, like it can't be more than three hours from home. Tops. Absolute tops. At this point, I would say probably an hour. To be honest with you, at this point, I'd say if I can't sleep in my bed the night before, I'm not doing it. 
So like I do the show here locally and beyond that, like, man, I don't know. So um, now for, for this one competitive bodybuilder, there's like really one show option. So all the other shows are off the table. So um, think about the pool of uh, competitors that promoters are looking to pull from in order to get people to do their show. It's pretty small. And so when you... Um, I mean, I think with with good intent that no, I'm not I'm not shitting on natural bodybuilding at all or saying it's pointless or anything like that. But when you uh, purposefully restrict the people who can compete when the larger pool is already pretty damn small, like you're going to end up with small shows. And oftentimes, like, you know, the math just doesn't work out. The, the financials just don't work out to make it viable. And that's where you, you know, you end up with a show that has 27 competitors in it. And that show is not going to be around. The promoter lost a bunch of money and maybe they lost their house. Who knows? You know, <laughs> so, uh, it, it, it's, uh, you know, the, the math is pretty, pretty dicey. I talked with, uh, um, Bino, who's the local promoter here who does the Knox Classic. I talked to him a while back. Um, and, uh, he said that in order for him to break even for the show, he has to have about 320 competitors in the show, something like that. I'm kind of ballparking that number. I don't remember exactly, but it was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 300 or 350 competitors to break even because of his expenses involved. And the biggest one is his facility rental because he does it at the um, Civic Auditorium here in town. And, you know, renting that for the weekend was in the tens of thousands of dollars. So it's facility rental is not cheap. Not cheap. So you got to have, um, you know, you got to you got to bring in some bank. And now that show brings in that that kind of crowd. So um, he can do it. He's not getting rich off of it. I think he told me like, you know, if we can, you know, if he and his wife can afford to take a vacation off of what they make off the show, they've done good. So you know, it, it's not it's not anybody's you know main source of income or anything like that. It's definitely like a side gig, and it's a lot of work. So. Um, so what do I consider to be natural would be another thing. Is there a gray area or is it pretty black and white? So it depends on the organization. Um, some organizations um, will, you know, make exceptions for uh, TRT or HRT, for example. Not always. And it's kind of case by case. And, you know, I, it's not uncommon. I've heard people who uh, are asked to show blood work to uh, indicate that they they did, in fact, need TRT and they didn't just want it for, for performance reasons. So if you get your blood work back as a guy and your testosterone level is at 450, but you find some sports performance doctor who will still write you a prescription for it, even though you're not, you know, you're not at subclinical levels or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, they're going to they're going to balk at that. And you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and most organizations um, will uh, not make that exception. If you're on HRT, it doesn't matter. You know, um, there are some organizations where if you have hypothyroidism and you need thyroid hormone in order to uh, in order to function, it doesn't matter. It's a banned substance; you can't take it. Uh, some will will draw an exception for you know prescribed medications. But you know, I worked with a client who took um, aldactone for acne. Um, aldactone is also a diuretic and she had a prescription for it and uh, she had to provide a medical exemption and stop taking it 30 days prior to the show, which is kind of funny because 30 days prior to the show, it's like, you know, you should stop taking it like seven days prior to the show. That would be fine. It's going to be out of your system at that point. But they, they just want no 30 days. So, you know, she was taking it for a legitimate medical reason, but had to stop taking it. So <laughs> it's like... You know that that's a little ridiculous to me. I mean, I get it that you know people abuse diuretics, um, but uh, by the same token, most medications, 
I don't know about most, a lot of medications have more than one purpose. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, so it, it is not black and white, not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, that being said, if you look at the banned substance list for like the NGA versus the INBA versus the OCB, you're going to find a lot of commonalities on there. Like, let's just pull up the OCB really quick and see what they say. I should have done this to start, but um, I didn't. Um, guidelines, drug testing. Okay, so uh, click here to view, view the WADA banned substances list. I don't really want to do that. Um, yeah, the following substances are still allowed for OCB competition. DHEA, up to 100 milligrams per day. So that's prescription DHEA, um, which is interesting. So, eh, okay. Um, additional banned substances. Insulin for the purpose of bodybuilding. Interesting. Okay. Muscle implants. It's a substance. Okay, I guess. Um, prescription thyroid hormone medication when used for bodybuilding purposes is banned. So again, used for bodybuilding purposes, you know, what does that mean? You know, if you're, you know, if you're, if you have a prescription, I guess you can get a, uh, get an exemption for that. Um, any type of site enhancement inje injections. Okay. Any procedures that can, um, Extract fat and show more leanness. Example, ab etching. What about liposuction? Is that a banned substance? Um, interesting. Interesting. Um, so as of January 1st, um, any prescription medications that manipulate insulin that are being used solely for weight loss purposes are banned, which is interesting. So um, Ozempic for example, probably also means uh, Manjaro. Uh, so uh, things like uh, semeglitude, um, that's, what, that's what these medications are. So uh, metformin as well. So that's not, not a surprise there. Um, interesting, interesting. So um, OCB's policy on doctor prescribed testosterone. Let's see, this is long. I should have read this beforehand. So um, Similar manner to WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency. Um, exemptions are possible. Okay, so genetic abnormalities, developmental abnormalities, metabolic abnormalities. Exemptions are not made in cases where there's no pathological physical change in the structure of an organ or in the HPTA, the hypothalamic pituitary testicular axis. So um, basically, like if you have low T, fuck you. Yeah. Um, if you've got some kind of, you know, genetic problem, um, or I would say some kind of, uh, you know, autoimmune disorder or something like that, pituitary disorders, they say, um, anatomical problems, that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah. So not, not really. You're not, you're not going to there. I, I have heard of people getting exceptions for that. Maybe it wasn't through the OCB. Maybe it's through some other organization. I'm certainly not the, the Wikipedia article on the subject. So um, banned substances list. What does WADA's website look like here? Explore the list. Accept cookies. Fine. Jesus. Um, get the latest version of the list. Oh, God. No, I'm not going to get into this. They, they have categories and it's going to be like a 60-page PDF. But it's it's long and it's extensive and it includes most things that you would expect to find on it. And I would say probably not too many surprises, realistically. The semiglitude, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by. Um, that's interesting. I did not know that. So... Um, that's as of what three weeks ago. That was that was that came down the pipe. Apparently, they said January first. So, um, yeah. So, is, is there a gray area? There's a little bit of gray area, but generally speaking, like if a substance is banned, it 
it won't be too surprising that it's banned. So um, is natural bodybuilding just not an option for some athletes? So, um, well, yeah, I mean, if you've been prescribed TRT, there you go. It's not an option for you. Um, I, I think also kind of what Grace was asking here, uh, the kind of the subtext in that question is, you know, is it just not realistic for some people to compete as naturals? Like, uh, do some people really need some kind of, of performance enhancement in order to, to, you know, be, I guess, competitive would be the word. And the answer to that would be yes, absolutely. You know, um, I saw something on social media recently where people were talking about some, some dipshit, um, was going off on like how, um, how dumb everything in the fitness industry is. Cause it's like, it's so simple. All you do is you, you work out and you eat and that like, what's so hard about that? It's the easiest thing in the world. I'm just like, dude, you clearly have never worked with another human being towards that goal. Cause if you work with some people, you will realize like not everybody is playing with the same deck of cards. Um, it is not that easy for some people it is. And I have no idea who said that, but clearly somebody who is, you know, more genetically blessed than the average person probably. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really hard for some people, you know, I've worked with people that have to move mountains and just be super consistent in order to gain just any muscle at all. Um, it's just, you know, it's a genetic thing. It really is. So, and it's, it's, some of it has to do with, you know, there's one genetic component to this as well. Genetic is the wrong word, but, um, what is the right word, Darren, explore your brain, use your vocabulary, find it. Um, there's a certain skill involved because, you know, there's no real skill in following a diet. It's just discipline. It's willpower. It's that kind of, there's no skill involved in it necessarily. It is something I think that you can get better at over time. So maybe it is kind of a talent, right? A talent is something that's innate. Some people have more talent when it comes to building muscle because they have an intuitive sense of how to train in a really productive way. That's why you'll find, you know, there, there's certainly, you know, a, a, an issue of genetic potential. Like some people, you can just tell like, like, wow, look at this transformation. This is before I started training and this is after six months. And you can kind of tell like, yeah, before you started training, you still had muscle, right? Like some people are just built and born differently than other people. Um, types of muscle fibers, responsiveness to training, responsiveness to drugs. Those are all genetic factors. But also there's just this innate talent where some people like they get into the gym and they start lifting weights and everything in their body just clicks. Like it just makes sense, right? Without them really having to think about it or anything like that. And I, I made the, the analogy earlier today when talking about this with a, with a client where some people just pick up a guitar and within a matter of weeks, they're, they're, they sound like Hendrix, more or less. And other people, this would be me, can hack away at it for years and barely sound like they have any fucking clue what they're doing on it at all. I don't have innate talent on the guitar. I have a little bit more on the piano where, you know, after, you know, a couple of years, I sounded pretty capable. Um, you know, after, after like two and a half years of, of playing routinely, I was able, I was competent enough to, to accompany uh, choirs in my school. So um, I feel like I've got a, a decent innate talent on that. I don't on the guitar. Do I in the gym? Not really. I don't, I don't think I do. I've really had to work on skill development in the gym. You know, I've had to, you know, practice. I've had to run my scales in the gym, so to speak, like you do when you're playing guitar or practicing piano, you work on your scales, you work on your fingering. I've had to work on my scales and my fingering for my gym brain. Um, 
and, and develop that skill, learn how to generate that tension in your body. Um, when you're, when you're trying to train a muscle for some people, they just pick up a weight and that's just automatic. If you're, if you on YouTube are wondering what I'm doing down here, um, I'm, I'm working with my little hand exerciser here. So I'm trying to, trying to, I've got some tendonitis in the hand from the aforementioned guitar playing This is my picking hand. And I, I grip it too aggressively sometimes. And I grip it when I'm cold. And so it's created a little dysfunction in my hand here. And so I'm, I'm working this while I'm podcasting. So there you go. I'm not doing anything, you know, untoward down there. I'm just trying to do this subtly, but uh, some people just have that innate ability to connect they like they have really good body awareness they have good body coordination they have a high level of proprioception um without really even knowing what that is and those people are absolutely going to have a leg up they're going to respond better they're going to have a higher genetic ceiling um you know they start younger their earlier days with their newbie gains are going to be wildly productive um and clearly they'll taper out but they'll get to that ceiling like much sooner than most people will. So um, I certainly think there's, there's something there. So um, is natural bodybuilding just not an option for some athletes? I would say, I mean, it's an option for everybody if they haven't disqualified themselves by taking something. Um, is it not an option for some people if they want to be competitive? Um, yeah, absolutely. It's not an option for some people in that sense. Um, I would also say if that's the case, then if you start taking PEDs, um, you then have to compete at a higher level um, because let's be clear, a, a non-tested show is going to be at a higher level than a drug-tested show. Um, and so you're taking your genetic deficiencies, you're adding chemistry on top of it, and then you're competing at a higher level. You still have those same genetic deficiencies and the gear isn't going to necessarily overcome all of those. So I would say you're still probably going to struggle to be competitive um, even on some kind of, of uh, hormone therapy or some kind of an advanced cycle. So um, the problem does follow you. <laughs> like regardless of, of what kind of stuff you're taking, you then have to compete at a higher level. You know, it doesn't, uh, it's not a solution, not, not a magical solution anyway. It's still going to take you probably longer and more consistency. You're going to have to work harder than the next guy down the line in order to achieve probably not quite the same level of result. Um, if somebody is like really, really genetically like fucked. If they just haven't been dealt a good deck, um, you can work through it. You just have to work harder than the next guy. Absolutely. Um, what uh, What are the role specific hormones play in bodybuilding? You know, that's a uh, that's probably a much longer question. Um, so, in order to you know, my my efforts to keep things a little on the briefer side, we'll dive into that next time around. So, um, this is a good discussion though because we've talked a little bit about natural bodybuilding, bodybuilding, but not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. So, um, and it's worth just touching on exactly what goes on there. And I don't really think there is a huge level of corruption. Just like I don't necessarily think at um, NPC shows, I don't think there's a massive level of corruption there either. I think there's enough. There's plenty of it. I think there are other issues. I think there are competency issues. Um, I think there are structural issues. There are politics and there, there are there are corruption issues there and there are some of those games being played. You're not going to get that in every show, however. I mean, it's it's definitely a little bit of a good old boys network for sure. Um, but I think that has as much to do with, you know, who gets contracts to do shows and things like that. Um, and I think it, it's a little bit more of a, a big deal at the higher level. You know, when you're at the NPC level and you're competing as an amateur, there's so much turnover in those shows. Like you'll you get people who 
who will compete and do a show. They'll do maybe a second or a third show and then they're gone. You know, they're on to the next phase of their life. They don't come back again. So um, the people who stick with it and do well tend to graduate then and kind of move out of that. So you don't, you don't have the same staying power at the amateur level um, to really engender that kind of, of political, you know, string pulling um, coaches can, I can't, I don't play that game. I have no influence. I, I often tell people like, if you're looking for a coach that can play the influence game to get you better, uh, uh, better places at your show, I'm not your guy because I don't play those games. And that really has to do with, I hate the social aspect of it. So <laughs> I, I would probably be a better coach for my clients if I did engage in those games, just because then people would know who I am. And right now I'm a nobody, nobody knows who I am. Who's, who, nobody knows who I am. So I'm still looking down at my, uh, my hand here. I'm sorry. I know this is terribly engaging here, but, um, it's like my fidget spinner, except it's physical therapy. So anyway, that's that. So I, I just wanted to talk about that and uh, shoot out a reminder as well for the call in number 865-518-6569. Make your voice heard. Let me know what questions you have. Um, I literally have nothing else to talk about. So I'm, I'm waiting on you people to call in and give me some ideas. So let's hit it, shall we? I need, I need, your, uh, I need your thoughts. I need, I will, what I realistically need, I need your hopes and prayers so, and, and your voicemails. So hit me, please. 